Welcome to the Identity Trust Pulse, where we bring you the latest insights and trends from the fraud and identity industry. Buy now, pay later is an alternative payment method that has proliferated in recent years. However, while there are many consumers embracing the flexibility and convenience brought about by BNPL, there are also fraudsters who want to make a profit now and pay never. I'm your host, Aid O'Connor, and I've invited my colleague, Emilio Rocchi, who is Market Planning Director at LexisNexis Risk Solutions. Emilio has been following the developments and innovation happening in the payments ecosystem in the last few years, observing the accelerated rise of alternative payment methods and buy now, pay later in particular. Today, we're going to explore the fraud challenges that come hand in hand with the growth of BMPL and address why BMPL providers should tackle fraud now rather than later. Emilio, an increasing number of consumers are using Buy Now, Pay Later. What can you tell us about its rapid rate of adoption? Yes, very good question, Ada. Uh, yes, definitely it's increasing rapidly uh, globally, this new payment method. Uh, I have some figures to, to share with all of you. And we've seen uh, that the volume of BMPL has been growing steadily year by year. In, for example, 2021, We've seen 360 million transactions, and last year uh, it went up to 467 million transactions of BMPL. So that represents a 27% year-over-year growth uh, in volume of transaction. So actually, in order to understand better the uh, this popularity of the new new payment method, we need to see well the usage and behavior of the consumer that they are adopting and prefer preferring this payment method. And we can see that the majority of the BMPL consumers, if we see our data in our uh, global repository digital identity data, we can see that these consumers uh, actually favor mobile over desktop when it comes to pay with BMPL. Actually, in 2022, we've seen 86% of the BMPL transactions were seen on mobile browsers. Then actually from those using mobile, only 2% use it in a mobile app or a native app, and the remaining 12% was using this payment method on a desktop. So this is telling us that, well, what type of consumers are actually preferring this payment method that usually are younger segments of the society, the so-called millennials. Now, from a macroeconomic perspective, we see that while well, inflation rates is going up globally, so there's no a country in the world that has not been affected by higher inflation rates, uh, and the cost of living, of course, is, is going up in many markets. So we are going to see more and more consumers likely to turn their attention to this new payment method, BMPL. What do you think is driving the expansion of BMPL? What is it that makes this payment method so appealing? So actually, we can summarize the uh, benefits of the payment method in giving a lot of convenience to consumer, accessibility, and also flexibility. So we've seen that BMPL appeals to younger generation, you know, generate generation set and millennials, uh, tech-savvy consumers with actually lower income. So this payment method, since it's um, a free uh, interest rate payment method of paying something that you purchase today, pay later, uh, like the, its name uh, says, 
uh, is a very appealing to, to this generation. There's also um, a way to avoid traditional you know, debt. So there's no credit check. Uh, there, no, there, there are no interest rates. Uh, there's no credit rating when the consumer actually chooses this uh, payment method. So that's very, very convenient. Uh, it's, yeah, the accessibility is very high. And actually about flexibility, we can see that the consumer could decide to buy a product, a service today, and uh, we pay much later, could be a deferred payment, or even could be a payment in installments. So it can be in, in 12 installments, for example. And in between uh, the uh, receiving the product and paying for the product, they can also decide to return the, the product. So the refund or policy, or the return policy is actually very flexible and there is no extra additional cost for the consumer. So this is really also convenient for the consumer. And, and actually we've seen also that usually the, the so-called deferred payments, you know, uh, what we call now BMPL has existed for a very long time in, in the market, in the payment ecosystem. Uh, but actually was used for larger items, so for higher uh, average order value. What we have seen uh, right now the, in this big uh, and rapid adoption of BMPL is that actually consumers are using this payment method actually to buy um, items that they are not very high value. So it could be what we call micro payments. And, and this is what merchants can benefit as well, that adopting this payment method, they will see more transactions, more traffic, maybe lower uh, flow, so because the ticket price is lower, but they're going to increase the number of sales by adopting this uh, payment method. So yeah, all in all, I think it's kind of a win-win situation for merchants and for consumers alike. So, and the uh, BMPL, um, Actually, it's also um, beneficial for, for merchants because we need to see that, well, there are many BMPL vendors, but actually the BMPL vendor is the one who is going to set um, the conditions in case the consumer doesn't pay. So the merchant should get, shouldn't be affected, let's say, if there is an early default payment or the consumer is not paying for their uh, product. Let's look at BMPL from a fraud perspective. What are the riskiest points for BMPL providers and their customers? That's a very good question because actually entering into a contract, the consumer with the merchant when they choose BMPL is actually yeah, making a, a, like a contract between the, the two parties. And here merchants, they have to be very careful because there is a lot of what we call application fraud or account creation fraud. Uh, so actually when there's a new account registration, the fraudster could be using stolen credentials or spoofed identities uh, that they are being uh, acquired during account takeovers. Uh, so this could actually negatively impact merchants. So they need to uh, have fraud solution systems in place during the onboarding of uh, a consumer that would like to pay with BMPL. So actually the BMPL uh, payment method uh, would be offered through probably different PSPs, payment service providers to different merchants. The merchants need to make sure if that onboarding is done with the BMPL vendor itself, that they take care of all that risk, 
If not, then the merchant itself should do uh, some checks and uh, prevent from people adopting or, or choosing for this payment method that are actually a legitimate customer and not a fraudster who is using stolen credentials, for example. The, the other risk is the usage as well of synthetic fraud. So, and this, this is the case when a fraudster actually is mixing stolen with real information, uh, actually to, to open an account, a fraudulent account, and then proceed to uh, choose BMPL and, uh, yeah, buy a product service and choose BMPL, which of course will never pay. And account takeover, as I mentioned before, uh, this is when an account is actually compromised. Then the fraudster actually, once it has control of a legitimate account, then they can uh, actually start buying uh, products, uh, services, and choosing again the BMPL and commit fraud. So, um, yeah, so actually the, the BMPL is a, is a payment method which has a lot of benefits, but on the other hand, also, it, it, it's actually part of its nature that since there's not many checks, for example, we re, we've been mentioning before, there's no credit check, for example, uh, that the fraudster may be unnoticed during the usage, the fraudulent usage of this payment method. So we need to make sure there are some certain uh, measures in place to minimize this risk. So actually, the, the merchant will not notice that, but then the, the victim of an account takeover, the consumer, actually also may not be aware until he's, he or she see uh, the account uh, with product services that being uh, purchased without his uh, knowledge. And this may take also some time for the consumer to realize the, the damage. So, and then first party fraud. So this is when actually a legitimate customer is purchasing something, is choosing BMPL as a payment method, and actually is in his or her interest actually not to pay. So this is what we call the so-called friendly fraud, which is very, very known by merchants, especially when you accept credit cards, that how do you distinguish between well, a legitimate and not legitimate uh, purchase? So yeah, BMPL allows uh, consumers actually sometimes to um, uh, take advantage of this so-called friendly fraud. Uh, I give you an example, a concrete example. So someone may purchase apparel, may wear it, and then two or three days later after the party, they say, well, actually, it was not my size. I will return it, and they will never pay. Of course, this happened one time. Uh, yeah, it's, it's difficult to detect. But actually, if you can see patterns of behavior, you may actually start distinguishing this type of consumers and start actually identifying the, the consumers that they're actually driving this type of friendly fraud. And for merchants, what are the risks for them in doing business with BNPL providers? Right, this is depending on the type of contract that the merchant has with the BNPL provider. So if the BNPL provider doesn't accept liability, then the merchant, uh, we have to uh, cover that. And, and that could be very risky. We, we say just, we mentioned just all the risks of non-payments of fraudulent activity. Uh, so the merchants need to make sure that if there's no ability, that they have all the measures in place to, to prevent all those returns without paying, uh, the usage of synthetic identity, um, and well, all the illegitimate use of credentials 
to, to make payments with BNPL. What does the future hold? Should BNPL companies expect to see more regulations being put in place? Yes, that we will see more and more and it's happening globally. So in many markets already where BNPL uh, is operating, providers are operating and offering this payment method. We see regulatory already constraints uh, than traditional credit products. Uh, however, regulatory scrutiny is underway, is here to, to, uh, to be implemented very soon. For example, the European Union has been looking at whether BNPL should fall under the scope of the PSD2 with the EU Council deciding to revise the Consumer Credit Directive. Uh, in the US, actually, the Consumer Financial Protections Bureau also has opened an inquiry into BMPL. And in the UK, the Financial Conduct Authority have also indicated a strengthening regulation of interest-free buy-now-pay-later uh, agreements and outlined plans to enforce affordability checks. And uh, I also took some notes. I've been researching lately on, on this subject. And actually, in Singapore, uh, the FinTech Association has also launched a BNPL working group in order to develop a code of conduct for providers. When it comes to fighting fraud, what can BNPL companies learn from traditional firms? So the competition is intensifying for BNPL providers in, in the payments markets, which is very crowded with so many options and so many payment methods. Uh, the BNPL has started as a deferred payments. Now we see also it's what we call embedded finance. So BNPL providers are actually playing a role as financial institution, which are definitely they are not. They are not a bank but they're actually uh, offering a lot of services to consumers. So not only deferred payments, but also pay installments uh, in 12 installments in 24, or actually even uh, providing loans to consumers. So when it comes to uh, fighting fraud, we see depending on the services that the BMPL provider is, uh, is offering, there may be completely different nature of, of fraud. So, we could be talking about from affordability tests that firms that should look at what is the probability of this consumer will default its payment, will not pay. That's one of, of the checks the, uh, the, the, the company should do to prevent uh, fraud. And actually, traditional firms, they're actually using uh, all this information, so not only the risk of no payment, but also the uh, possibility of um, or no, or no payments or the what we called before the friendly fraud returning uh, goods and don't have the intention uh, to pay. So we see what that traditional firms are actually combining a lot of source of intelligence. So it's not only digital, but they also rely a lot on physical intelligence. And they, uh, they are fraud risk intelligence solutions they are going to be obtained from many sources, so not only statistical data, but they will include fraud as well as credit risk scoring. And finally, how can BNPL providers strengthen their fraud prevention strategy without sacrificing the convenience that makes them so appealing to consumers? This is a very good question because I actually we need to 
to find a way to compromise and to balance, you know, the fraud mitigation of this new payment method without actually compromising the customer experience and, and having a more seamless payment experience. So tackling fraud actually without compromising the consumer experience is, is, is a challenge and there's no one solution. Uh, finding the right provider to navigate the complexity and challenge in the fraud management space is actually essential. So there has been a lot of innovative solutions uh, specific to um, using new uh, innovative solutions like machine learning and AI to actually enhance the, you know, the, uh, the risk models and actually to predict better the, this type of, of fraud. So um, a robust approach should always combine this advanced technology uh, like machine learning, AI, actually with other data sources, like for example, behavioral biometrics, intelligence and analytics, and well, also digital intelligence as well. So in fact, the LexisNexis risk solutions offer uh, what we call a layer approach where different solutions work together. So leveraging all these intelligence and all these innovative solutions, combining behavioral biometrics, for example, it's uh, going to add an enhanced layer uh, and, uh, of background fraud protection without impacting negatively the customer experience. So how does it work? It works by measuring and analyzing unique behavioral patterns that they are incredibly difficult to mimic. For example, a keystroke speed and pressure, screen navigation patterns of uh, a legitimate customer, how, how quickly uh, this legitimate customer, for example, have answered certain question and how someone holds their phone to recognize uh, the user. So this creates a recognizable digital identity of legitimate consumer. And by doing that, we can identify almost in real time uh, a fraudulent uh, and not legitimate customer trying to make a payment with BNPL. Also, it allows with behavioral biometrics, uh, our LexisNexis solution to distinguish humans from bots. So we've seen more and more bot attacks. So with behavioral biometrics, you will be able with certainty to say, okay, this is not a human. Actually, this is a result of a, a bot attack, for example. And uh, in fact, we have not mentioned yet the so-called social engineering fraud where the victim is actually being uh, maybe defrauded on the phone or so through social media is going to make a payment, but to the fraudster. How do you distinguish or detect social engineer when you see that all the credentials, the device, and actually the behavioral biometrics of this consumer is all legitimate, is all good. So with our solution, you can actually try to see patterns that they're going to um, actually raise a red flag and alerts and say, well, this is, uh, even though the legitimate consumer has accessed his or her uh, account and, and is making a payment, we can see that it's being uh, coached by the froster and is going to be victim of a social engineering fraud. Emilio, thank you for joining us and sharing these insights. That's all we have time for on this Identity Trust Pulse podcast. So thank you for tuning in. If you would like to find out more about our fraud and identity solutions, please visit the link in the description. Goodbye. 
The information provided in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to and shall not be used as legal advice. The views and opinions expressed in this program are solely those of the speakers and don't necessarily reflect the views or position of LexisNexis Resolutions. LexisNexis Resolutions does not warrant that the information provided in this podcast is accurate or error-free.